Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I've been using Olympic stories just because I love sports and I love uh, the Olympics particularly, but in 1968 Olympics in a marathon race, a guy by the name of John Stephen Aquari, he entered into a race, uh, a marathon race, and he hadn't trained at the right altitude, so he was fatigued before the race was even halfway, down, uh, halfway through. And, and he collided with another runner, and he fell to the asphalt and dislocated a knee. How many know if you dislocate a knee and you're a runner, how many know that's a bad deal, right? <laughs> Not only did he dislocate his knee, he dislocated his shoulder, and he conked his head pretty hard on the asphalt. And, and so, but John Stephen, he got up and he continued to run. He finished that race. He finished last out of the 57 that did finish. Uh, by the way, the race started with 75. Matter of fact, they were having the award ceremony. He finished so far behind the first place runner that they were already having the award ceremony when he pulled into the stadium and crossed the finish line. There was only a handful of audience that was still there. And the reporters heard the audience cheering for him as he came in. They ran over and they interviewed John Stephen Aquari. And and they asked him, why did you even finish the race in the pain you were in? And I want to put his quote on the screen because I think it's the perfect way to end this series. John Stephen Aquari said, My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Come on, everybody, right? And that's the purpose of this series. I want you to finish the race. And when I say finish the race, I don't mean I want you to die and go to heaven. <laughs> I want you to finish the race in that I want you to fulfill God's plans and purposes for your life. Matter of fact, forget what I want. God wants you to reach the destinies that he put in you before the foundations of the world. Somebody told me in this series, and they said it once before, I'm not sure if I like this compliment or not. How many of you ever got a compliment and you're not sure if it was a compliment or not? (laughs) Okay, so I'm not the only one. Someone said to me, said, Ken, you are the greatest cheerleader in my life. And I thought, hmm, I'm not sure if that's what I wanted to be called. I mean, I'd like to be called a lion or a, a drill sergeant or an eagle, but a cheerleader I'm just not sure about. But in our series of these great men and women who, by faith, they accomplished amazing things. But isn't it true that as they now sit in the stadium, they've already run their race? And they know what turns, and they know what detours, and they know what discouragement, and they know the dark days, they know the lonely days. They've been through it all. They've overcome it all. Aren't they the best cheerleaders they are? Because they're basically saying no matter what you're going through or what you're going to go through, if you'll keep your faith, you'll finish the race. And, And where you're at right now is not where you have to stay. And what you have right now is not all that you can have, right? And don't let your outward circumstances dictate who you think God has created you to be. Come on, everybody. Do you? How many remember during COVID? Of course, I keep saying during COVID like it's a past thing. My wife and my daughter are out with COVID, and please be praying for them, a number of other dream teamers. But um, 
But how many remember, I'll say in the beginning of COVID and when sports first started coming back, how many remember that? And they were playing in the stadiums without a crowd. Anybody remember that? It was the most awkward, weird thing. And if you were watching it televised, what they would do is they would pipe in crowd noise. And if you listened really carefully, it was like the same cheer for every play. It was like, wait a minute, something's wrong here, you know? It was was just, they piped in crowd noise, and I got to thinking about that because there's just something motivating about crowd noise. There's something motivating about someone cheering you on. Come on. There's something motivating about you amening your pastor. Can I get an amen, right? Uh, And that's what they're doing in Hebrews chapter number 12. They're cheering us on. And I want you to get the picture that they're standing in the great arena in heaven. And they're watching us run our race. And they see when we fall down. And they see when we feel discouraged. And they're cheering us on. And every one of the heroes through scripture has something to say to us that can relate to our place in the race. Hebrews chapter number 12. One more time. Here's what it says. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. They're not just average runners. These runners have overcome some incredible obstacles. Remember Rahab? You talk about obstacles. These runners have overcome some incredible things. And so the writer then says, so let's just throw off all of our excuses. Let's throw off all of our issues. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, here's one of the clues to how to run the race. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm. There's a story, I won't bring it because I can't remember the name right now, but of a runner who was running. He was in the lead and he kept looking behind him to see how far ahead he was. And as he looked behind him, someone passed him on the other side and stole the gold from him. That's why we got to keep our eyes on Jesus, everybody. Let me go as far as to say, you can't keep your eyes on your pastor because he's human just like you. You can't keep your eyes on your church because the church is a whole bunch of people that are imperfect on a journey also. Come on now. you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And so the runners have come out of the stands. One more time, let's repeat. Jonah comes out of the stands. I've just picked a few. And Jonah says to us, one man can make a difference. You don't have to wait for everybody to agree with you to do something great. Come on. How many know you're never going to get everybody to agree with you? How many know you disagree with yourself half the time? How many know that, right? Number two, Abraham comes out of the stands and he reminds us to expect delays. And when we understand there's going to be delays... Come on, let me talk to the young folks. Come on, grandmas and grandpas, help me out right here. You might think, ooh, I'm going to be successful, but we have come to learn that success and significance is not a straight shot from A to B. It's A, zigzag, 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 valley, mountain, valley, mountain, valley, mountain, happy tears, happy tears. Come on, where are you guys at? Uh, B, (laughs) woohoo! Right, everybody? There's going to be some delays, I will promise you. And if you've never experienced a delay, just keep on living. Just, just live another day. Have a couple more birthdays. There will be some delays because you will wake up one day going, I'm not as far along as I thought I should be. But don't get discouraged in that because God has you right where he wants you to be. Number three, we see Rebecca come out of the stands and she reminds us, come on, this church is grabbing a hold of this to live life generously. 
I want us to be known as the generous church. The church that's not trying to get anything from you, but the church that is here to serve you and get stuff to you. Because a generous person prospers. Number four we see come out of the stands is Rahab. Ooh, I love her story. Rahab the prostitute who becomes the great-great-grandmother of Jesus. She gets to be in the family tree of Jesus. Rahab says, you might have not done too good, but if you'll turn the pen over and let God write your life story. I don't care how many birthdays you are. If, you're, if you've had 80 birthdays, you can still turn the pen over to God and let God finish the story, right? If all the chapters before that have not looked like what God wanted, how many know God can still make the conclusion, bring his, Him glory, right, everybody? And then after that, last week we got to Moses. And Moses, I love this one too. Moses says, abandon safe and embrace faith. If we live with our foot on first, we'll never steal second. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And then finally today, I didn't know who to conclude this. It was a toss-up between Samson and Joseph. And the winner is, I couldn't help. I know it's Mother's Day, moms. And I know I should have had somebody like Ruth. or I know I, I just should have had one of those nice, gentle women in the Scripture. But I couldn't help it. It's Mother's Day, so I went with Samson. Come on now, right? Happy Mother's Day to you also, all right? (laughs) Samson, um, the guy that lost his strength. And I'll just tell you, I can sympathize with the guy that lost his strength a little bit. My knees hurt. My my arches are falling. uh, My shoulders are bad. uh, And and I don't have the same kind of strength that I one time have. And Samson ended up bald too. Come on, we have a lot in common. (laughs) If you know the life of Samson, it's a bit surprising. It's surprising that he's even mentioned in the Hall of Fame. Samson? But if Rahab could be mentioned there, then we have to be willing to consider Samson. Because Samson's story is one that had incredible potential, but he almost lost it all. He almost walked away from the will of God. It seems as though if you read the story of Samson, and not many people read the book of Judges just for fun. It's it's kind of a depressing book of the Bible. And uh, because it keeps talking about how the people of God did wrong, and then they do right for a little bit, and then they would do wrong for a long time, and then we repent and do right for a little bit. Do you know anybody like that? Just curious, just curious. And and it seems as though his his life is going to end in tragedy. But I wonder what the positive thing that Samson could say to us. Um, I I thought of a couple statements. And remember, every character, I'm just trying to boil their life down to one statement for this series. I know their life is deeper than that. And I hate when people boil my life down to one statement. But that's what we're doing for them, all right? And and I don't know. I thought about a number of things because he would be a great character if he came out of the stands and and he made mention of something like, uh, be careful who you date. I mean, no, that would be a good one. It would be, he would be a great backdrop for a dating series. Uh, uh, he might say to us, uh, beware of what barber you go to. I mean, no, he could say that. He, we might hear him say something about not taking God's grace for granted. Because the whole reason that he made a Nazarite vow was because of God's amazing grace on his family. Uh, if he was to come and run a lap with us, I believe here's what Samson would say to us. I believe that Samson would say, you don't have to lose your eyes to be blind. Mm. Let me say it another way. You don't have to lose your eyes to lose your vision. 
And there's some along the way that somewhere along the way, like John Stephen Aquara, you've fallen down. You've dislocated. Something has hurt you. Someone has hurt you. Something has tripped you up. And in the process of that, you've lost your dream. You've lost your eyes. You've lost your vision. But the good news is you showed up here on this day because God wants to heal those blind eyes. Right, everybody? I, I, I think it's... I, I think. What Samson said to us is partly why church to me is so important. Because I begin to rub shoulders with somebody that has greater vision, more enthusiasm, more faith. When my faith is down, I think that's why life groups are important. That you just get around people just so that they can challenge you when your vision gets blurry. They can challenge you when you've fallen down to help you get back up. But it's not enough just to get back up. You've got to restore the purposes and plans that God has for you. And, and for those friends, we need friends to help us watch the blind spots. Come on now. How many of you have a blind spot? See, if you didn't raise your hand, you got a blind spot. <laughs> right? I think this is what he would say. I think he would remind us of some things. And we're going to close with Samson, and I'm just going to tell you right now, the simplicity of his message is what I want you to grab a hold of. Because every one of these points that, I, that Samson is going to make today, you're going to go, duh, of course, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of some of the simple things in life. So here comes Samson out of the stands to run a, a, a lap with us. And, and, and I think he would say something like this. I think he would remind us that we can be, number one, that we can be blind to God's purposes in our life. If we're not careful, we can make this whole life on earth all about going to work, punching the time card, paying bills, sitting in our lazy boy, eating dinner, and getting up and doing it all again. Or maybe a little variations instead of sitting in the lazy boy taking the kids to soccer. Or you fill in the blank. But how many know there has to be more to life than paying bills uh, and being born and dying and someone standing at your funeral. Right, everybody? There has to be a greater purpose than just doing life like that. And if anything, I want Samson to remind us, you don't have to go blind to lose the fact that God created you for something more than paying bills. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that uh, God, I think we need to be reminded that God has a plan and a purpose for us. Samson, Samson, if you know his story, he threw his purposes away. He, he lived for himself. See, from his birth, God had a purpose for him. And, and, and by the way, this is an interesting fact about Samson. His birth was foretold. He's, he's the only judge in the book of Judges that he was chosen before he was born. Sounds like somebody else I know. An angel showed up to Samson's mother and said, you're going to have a child. And it's going to be a boy, and I want him to live under a vow, and we're going to use him to deliver a nation. Sounds like somebody else I know. It's a foreshadow of something, another story we know. Because an angel showed up to a lady by the name of Mary and told her about a son that would be born and a son that would deliver. And where Samson failed, come on, everybody, our Lord and Savior Jesus didn't fail. Amen, everybody? Let's go to his story. I'm going to pick up pieces of it. You can read more in the book of Judges, but let's pick him up. He's the last judge here in chapter number 13. And it says, this is the angel coming to his mom. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is to never 
be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Now, that all had to do with a Nazarite vow that I won't go into here. And he's to be dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel uh, from the hands of the Philistines. So, so uh, I want you to know that we have something in common with Samson. What we have in common with Samson is that you also were chosen. You were chosen before you were born. We were chosen. The Bible says we were chosen to be in him before the foundations of the world. Oh, come on. Here's what that means. That God loved you before your mama ever met your daddy. That you might think you were an accident and the world has tried to confuse your identity uh, but you were never an accident to God. Before he created the earth, he had a plan and a purpose for your life. Come on. You were chosen in him. And that's what today is about. In the second service, we're going to uh, dedicate a dozen babies or so unto the Lord because we want to remind those mamas and daddies that those babies are not an accident, that those babies are not haphazard, that those babies, whatever, that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives, everybody, right? And no matter what the devil does to try to destroy that plan, if we'll stay committed to the Lord, God will take what the enemy means for bad and bring it back right. Right, everybody? My greatest fear as a pastor is that you attend radius and you sit here week in and week out and never recognize that your life matters. Let me say it again. Your life matters. To the 19-year-old, your life matters. To the 50-year-old, your life matters. To the 100-year-old, your life matters. Now wake up and give the Lord a good hand clap. Come on now. Your life matters. Let me say it another way. You have a purpose. You know what? Just do this. This is going to be really awkward, but turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Come on, say it to them. Come on. If they're not listening, smack them in the head. Say, that means you. Because it's important that you know that you have a purpose. That God has a plan for your life. I say it all kind of different ways almost every week. You have a purpose and you have a plan. And God has a destiny for your life. And the reason that's so important for me to say is because there was a time in my preteen years, 10 and 11 and 12 years old, I believed that my life didn't matter. I started to believe that no one would even notice if I wasn't around. I never really thought about how I would end my life. But there were times in that season of my life I just questioned, what am I even here for? Who even loves me? What am I ever going to do with my life? How is God ever going to love me? Does God even know that I exist? I wrestled with that. And if you're wrestling with that today, I can sympathize. It is the worst, the darkest, the loneliest place you could be. And if you're struggling with that, if you're watching online, I want you to know that you tuned in, that you're here for a reason. Because God wants to wrap his arms around you and remind you that I created you, not on accident, but with a purpose, everybody. Right? Mm. I am glad in my life that I heard pastors and I heard coaches and I had friends and I had mentors that helped me begin to realize the plans and the purposes God has. And, and, and I realized that my life does matter. And now I'm living in God's purpose because somebody helped me understand that God does have a purpose. Listen, when you grab a hold of the fact that God has a plan for your life, I know you might be sitting there going, oh, that would be a great message to our teenagers. No, it'd be a great message to some gray-haired folks in here. 
Because you keep running lap after lap after lap, and eventually you got to wonder, why am I running these laps? Why am I sweating? Why am I tired? Why am I doing what I'm doing? When you grab a hold of the fact that God has a plan for your life, I'll tell you this, you'll make different choices. Come on. <laughs> All right, let me talk to another age group. Let me see. Uh, 20-year-olds, uh, when you recognize that God has a plan for your life, you will live with a higher purpose. You will make better choices. As a teen, I started living different because I knew that God had a purpose for my life. I didn't have a mom and dad to teach me right or wrong. I went to church all by myself my entire life. I didn't have those guidances there. But I decided that God had a purpose for my life, so I began to make different choices. Not because somebody told me to. Not because I have to. Because I wanted to. That's the difference between grace and legalism. Legalism will tell you what you have to do, but grace makes you want to do those things. You will live different. Knowing, I'll tell you this, knowing I'm going to stand up in front of you every week, I live different. Because my purpose is to get up here and encourage you. So I got to guard my heart. I got to guard my soul. I got to watch where I go. I got to watch what I hear. Because if I hear too much negative, I'll get up here and be negative. See, when you recognize there's a plan and purpose for your life, no matter what age or stage you're at, you will make different choices in your life. Come on, everybody. That's what Proverbs means when he says in Proverbs 29. I've heard this verse preached so many times. But here's what it means when he says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. When you're not living your life with a purpose, you'll live life however. You'll cast off all restraint. When you're, men, when you're not living with a vision of having a great marriage, you will live however you want to. You will look at whatever you want to. Mm, I better leave that one alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. All right, leave it alone. <laughs> Without no vision, without any purpose, you will live however. Let me say it a couple other ways. You will sleep with whoever. You will do whatever. You will go wherever. You will put whatever in your body. Come on. Is anybody hearing what I mean? Yeah. But when you recognize that there is... That's why the world is trying to destroy your identities. Trying to destroy, am I a man or am I a woman? Was I an accident or am I on purpose? You are God's creation with a plan and purpose. Would somebody agree with me, right? <laughs> Samson's life is such a tragedy because he misses God's will for his life and he lives his entire life missing the greatness and the goodness that God has. And so here's your action step. Your action step here, I, I want to give you an action step in each one. Can you give me that? Your action step is to discover and protect God's plans for your life. Discover God's plan. How do I do that? Well, uh, if you'll come to next steps, we'll help you. But let me give you a couple clues on that. Next steps will help you discover your spiritual uh, gifts and your personality tests. But what are the things you've been through? What are the hard things you've been through? What are the things that you're passionate about? What are the things that get you fired up? What has God taught you? Those have a hint. But when you discover, you've got to start protecting God's plan over your life. That's why you, you make, when you discover that, you start protecting every decision. And I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about good versus great. I'm talking about decisions where it could be a good thing, but it's not necessarily the best thing. Right, everybody? Uh, 
no, First Thessalonians chapter number five, verse number 19, here's what it says. It says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. In other words, when you discover God's purpose in your life, don't put that out by bad choices. Keep that alive. Go all in. Come on. When you discover God has a purpose for your life, can I just tell somebody, go all in. Quit putting your toe in and testing out God. Go all in. Climb the ladder today. Climb the ladder. Go up to the high dive and do a cannonball right into the middle of God's will. Come on, everybody, right? Say, well, how do I do that? Well, you got one foot in. Now take the next step. We just had, I don't know, we've had 59 people this year take the next step and get water baptized. (laughs) No pun intended. Cannonball. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Huh? Hey, somebody needs to take the next step today. Give your life to the Lord. Then you need to take the next step and get water baptized. Then you need to take the next step and get in a life group. Then you need to take the next step and get on a dream team. Then you need to take the next step and start honoring God with your finances. Uh Uh-oh, it was a good message until then. Then you need to take the next step and worship the Lord. Then you need to take the next step and clap your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord. Worship the Lord. Give the Lord the first of every single day of your life. Make Him first in every area. Come on, where'd all the amens go now? Mm, Putting God first. That's one thing that Samson would say to us. Number two, I think the second thing he would say to us is that, uh, that if you're not careful, you can become blind to the power of relationships. Samson began to, you want to talk about a guy that became blind to relationships? This guy was oblivious to everyone around him, every voice around him, because he was living for self and self only. I want to remind you before we read this next verse, relationships have power. How many know it's true? How many know that relationships have power no matter what age you're at? You like to think you're older now, and you don't. No, no, no. We like to talk to the teenagers about peer pressure, but I know some 70-year-olds that you are exactly what you are because of the relationships you've had. Mm -hmm. And it's not too late to change those. How many know relationships have power, good or bad? Let me see the hands of somebody that can at least recognize I had some relationships that was bad for me. Can I see your hands? Yeah. Look around, 20-year-olds. Come on now. Judges chapter number 14, here's what it says. When he returned, okay, so Samson is somewhere he shouldn't be. (laughs) And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman. There's where all the trouble starts, right there. (laughs) I've seen her in Timnah. First of all, he should not have been in Timnah, but that's a whole nother message, all right? Don't go to Timnah. That'd be a good message, all right? (laughs) But then he turns around and says, he wants them to fall into his sin. I've been somewhere I shouldn't. I've seen somebody I shouldn't. I had thoughts I shouldn't. Now go get her for me. How many know there was a lot of clues along the way where he could have said no, right? Uh huh. And he said, now go get her for me as my wife. Now hang on to this. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? Now, that's where the story messes me all up, huh? I mean, I hear banjo music playing right away. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, you know, come on now. But hang with the story. You guys, come on. Be more spiritual. All right. It says, can't you find a woman amongst your relatives or amongst your own people? He, he's basically saying amongst your own tribe is what he's saying. All right. Do I have more to that? Yeah. Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? 
But Samson said, in other words, he ignored the advice of relationship. Somebody, mom and dad, know his blind spots perhaps at this stage better than anybody else. And they're trying to warn him. But he said, no, 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 no. Go get her anyway. Get her for me. She's the right one for me. Have you ever tried to give somebody counsel when their mind is set on something? And you know the decision they're making is absolutely wrong. But they are convinced you got the right one, baby. Right? Huh? Uh, Now, by the way, let me just clear something up here. This is not an ethnicity thing. This has nothing to do with color of skin. Uh, it would be like today, uh, the scripture that tells us, give me the scripture reference, 2 Corinthians. You don't have to give me the verse, just the 2 Corinthians 6, 14 uh, and 16. It talks, uh, Paul tells us not to be unequally yoked together. What that really means is that the light and the darkness, or the Christians and the non-Christians, or those following the Lord and those that are not, Come on, they should not be getting married because what fellowship does light have with darkness? And I know the argument. I know, well, I'm going to win him. I'm going to win her to the Lord. Then win them, uh, send them to church, and uh, let the church help you win them before you're dating them and getting married to them. It's going to cause all kinds of problems, all right? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, it says this. um, It says, don't, where do I got that? Yeah, it says this, uh, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. There's reasons why God tells us things. It's not because he's a killjoy. It's because he has a plan and purpose for your life. And because he has a plan and purpose for your life, and he happens to know a little bit more about us than we know about us, and he knows the future a little bit better than we do, that's why he tells us certain things, because he's trying to protect his investment of greatness that has been put in your life. That's why he tells us things. Samson, not only did Samson not listen to his mom and dad, he he was blind to the power of relationships because he went after somebody he shouldn't have went after. So that's blind to relationships. But you know, Samson didn't even honor his relationship with his parents. His parents are telling him stuff. He's telling his parents, skip you guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter number 6 might be a good time to read this verse. Here's what it says. It says, honor your father and mother, and especially mothers on Mother's Day. You better be not letting her do dishes today, guys. I'm telling you right now. Women, that was your chance to growl. Come on now. I've seen a couple elbows. Come on, where's the... Yeah, all right. Thought I'd hear a little rumble at least. Don't act like you're quiet. We all know, women, that you're not quiet, all right? Okay? You ought to see me up in here on Tuesday night preaching my heart out, and men are like, I'm like, oh, now I know who amens in church. It's all the women. It's all the women. All right, here we go. Come on now. Come on, sister. Help me out. All right, here we go. It says it's the first commandment with a promise that that it may go well with you. In other words, this is a commandment that carries a promise. When we honor mom and dad. And I know all the arguments because I got the same ones. Uh, I I got all the same ones. Yeah, but you don't know my mom and dad. I know. I get it. I know all the bad stuff. I've heard every story. I understand. And I'm not trying to be unsympathetic. But the verse is put in the scripture because of the bad mom and daddy. Mm -hmm. It it says honor them. Uh, Honor them. Uh, Honor them in some bad situations could simply mean not trashing them. Because they weren't a good mom and daddy, right? Uh, not putting on social media, oh, I wish I had a mom that wasn't an old raggedy, snagglefoot woman. <laughs> yeah. 
You laughing? Go look at Facebook today and see. There's some evil people that are going to use social media to get back at mama because she didn't warm her bottle right. Come on, everybody, right? All right? It says honor them. Why does it say honor them? Uh, why, why does it say to honor? Because God knows that they're not going to make every right decision. It says honor them because their minds are fried. Because they raised you. And there's smoke coming out of their ears. And so God says, you know, I might need to put a scripture in there that tells them to honor their mom and dad. Because by the time they're 13 and they know everything, that mom and dad are beside themselves. Uh, come on, am I right about it, mama's right? I, no kidding. I thought the same thing. I went and bought a lawnmower for $5 at a garage sale. And I, I, I drug that raggedy thing home and showed my mom. and said, Mom, I'm going to go around the neighborhood, knock on doors, mow yards, and, and I'm going to make some money. And my mom looked at me. I, I was nine years old. My mom looked at me. She looked at the lawnmower, looked at me, looked at the lawnmower. And here's what my mama said. My mama said, Boy, if you cut your legs off with that lawnmower, don't you come running to me. <laughs> I thought that was the dumbest thing that could ever be said. But her mind was fried. And I was only nine, and she knew we had some years to go. Come on, how many of your mama said something like this? Put on a coat. You're making me cold. What? Here, mom, take mine. I mean, right? Right? Let, let me just tell you this. If you want a better prayer life, have kids. And, and, and all of you that think it's going to magically end when they're 18, it doesn't. No, come on, did you hear all the mom? And they weren't even like a happy amen. It was like, no. <laughs> right? Come on now. Uh, action step. Here's our action step. Choose your relationships carefully. Choose them carefully. Choose, listen, let me, let me teach this again I, I, real quick. I, I do this every once in a while. You got to view life in circles. Jesus demonstrates how to do life in circles. We have an open circle. I have an open circle to my life, but that doesn't mean everybody's in the inner circle. Uh, people have to earn the right to get in your inner circle. People have to earn the right to hear your secrets. People have to earn the right to hear what you dream about, what you cry about, what you laugh about. Not everybody gets to hear everything all the time. Everybody can't handle the truth. Come on now. Some people want you to be their hero, and when you take off your cape, they don't want to associate with you anymore. Mm -hmm. So life in circles. Jesus fed the 5,000, big circle. He taught the 120, smaller circle. He discipled 12, smaller circle. He prayed with three, smaller circle. He shared his secrets with one, smaller circle. Life in circles. And by the way, this, this, this whole thing about choose your relationships carefully, listen, that includes who you're dating. Mm -hmm. I told the young men on Tuesday nights, you're not, looking, you're not looking for a girlfriend, you're looking for a spouse. And if you wouldn't marry her, you should not be dating her. And all the mamas and daddies said amen to that. Thank you. Yeah. Watch this. Here's something about relationships I want you to know. You, you might want to take a picture of this. Where am I at? Relationships. Nurse